Hello and welcome to a special episode of Film Yak. I am going to be the host today. My name is John, and with me today is Kevin, Kevin the co-host. The co-host. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be uh, two film lovers flying solo today. Uh, solo together. The Lone Rangers. The Lone Rangers. Very, very good yeah. reference. That is very <laughs> fitting. Um and we're going to be talking about what we watched, and we're going to answer some feedback, and no deep dive today, because we're waiting until next Monday to mm-hmm. record the Princess Mononoke deep dive. Really excited to talk about this film, so keep stay tuned for that. Keep What was I going to say? Keep keep on track for that? I don't even know. Keep on trucking? Keep, keep a, stick around for that one. For and, sure. And, uh... <laughs> Anyway, how you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. It's a little colder today, but uh, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. It's been great, actually, the weather. This morning I got mm-hmm. out early and it was very, very cold. And I was like, if I stood out here a little longer, I need a jacket. That's right. And I love how I was driving around and there's these people and they're like running around and there are big overcoats like it's winter time. And I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, this is just like normal weather now. Like it was mm-hmm. insanely hot. Now it's just normal. Yeah. Like, it, it hasn't gotten cold yet. It's yeah. It's just gotten normal. And it's nice, too, because the sun is out. So, you know, you can wear a light jacket or you can wear a cardigan. Just Absolutely. go about your day. Absolutely. It's fantastic. I'm really enjoying it as well. So, uh, you want to get into uh, what we watched there? Sure thing. You can, uh, you can begin. Okay. Well, since you talked about it last time, I went and watched Only God Forgives. And I have to agree, that is such an amazing movie. Like, and I read some of I read some of the criticisms about the movie, and I just genuinely did not understand where these people were coming coming from. Like, like one critic said something about like David Lynch must be laughing, and like I hate the idea that like anything that's you know dark or stylistic is just going to be pigeonholed as being lynchian Mm. but like this movie is unique um i loved the fact that the uh the main titles came up in thai and only god forgives came up as a subtitle and like at the the end when like the uh the thai titles get precedent over the english ones i thought that was fantastic and uh like i can definitely like watching it and thinking about drive like Drive is just such, you know, it's not a terrible movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it's very much one that's I feel easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Like it has a very it has a very clear plot, it has a love story and, you know, you're rooting for Ryan Gosling to get together with um what's her Carrie face? Mulligan. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan at the end and like yeah, so like it's it's I don't know, it feels obvious why people would like that and be so into it, but Only God Forgives also directed by N- Nicholas Winding Refn like it's so good. It's more challenging for sure. Yes, it's very it's very it's Which a is, very I, challenging watch. And that's why I think people are so quick to these like easy comparisons or oh, yeah, it's yeah. like a Lynch film. Like it's not it's nothing like a Lynch film at no. all. Like 
there's very little to compare between this and anything Lynch has ever done. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I mean, I, whenever it came out, I remember hearing a lot of things like, well, if you thought Ryan Gosling barely talked in Drive, he's, he's never, he has like three lines in this movie. And mm. they're like, focus, they, that's the kind of things they focus on, you know? It's like yeah. the star of the movie doesn't talk. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like who cares? Like, that's not, that's not the issue here. I mean, like, watch the movie. You know, if it wasn't Ryan Gosling, you wouldn't be making that uh kind of criticism about it you know yeah and uh honestly like even though gosling is sort you know the star of the movie like for me i was rooting for chang i think through chang most of the movie. is the star i really do oh, i think sure it's chang's movie and it's just that you know you don't know about chang because he's a he's a thai actor who you know you never yeah. heard of so they obviously they got to push gosling you know yeah and uh i gotta say this was probably the greatest acting job i've seen Kristen scott thomas do because yeah. like like all the other movies I've seen her in, like she's very like kind of you know proper British, like almost matronly kind is of. She British? Kind of, I don't even. I don't. I believe she's. I, British. I only can think of one other thing that she's in, and I've never even seen it. And it's called Random Hearts, isn't she in that with the Harrison Ford? I think so, and I've I think she was. It, I know for sure she was. She's in like the first twenty minutes of the first Mission Impossible movie. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and I um. And I want to say she was in uh, Gosford Park. Okay, I haven't seen that either. Um, but yeah, like, uh, and she's she's been in some other things. I've I've seen. Well, she, uh, she's going to be in that new. Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Churchill uh, biography oh, that uh, Gary she's Oldman's a, she's in. The wife? Yeah, she's the wife. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that either. But uh, but yeah, she's just so like you hate her so much in this movie, <laughs> and like she's so good at it. Like, woo, like she's, she's very, awful. uh, yeah, she's a horrible, horrible person. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I found, I actually, if I had a, even like a minor criticism about it, I really love it a lot. But if I had a minor criticism, it would just be like, there's like two or three lines she utters that are just seem like out of left field and like totally ridiculous. Like when she calls, uh, she says, how many, how many men can you please with that cum dumpster of yours or whatever? Yeah. Like, that was who like, says that. Like, yeah. What a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, and she being like overly hostile towards this woman. For I sure, have, I yeah. don't have a problem with, but it's like it would have been. It might have been better if it was more subtle, you know. Her yeah, yeah. Disdain for this uh, this Thai woman that her son is dating. Yeah, I can see that. But I love the scene after that, directly following that when uh, mm. when he blows up at her. And he tells yes, her to take the yes. dress off. It's yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then. Uh, yeah, like again, like all the stuff with Chang and like even the karaoke scenes, like anywhere else you could kind of look at like, you know, uh scenes in a karaoke bar as kind of like goofy or maybe, you know, just um I I don't, I don't even for know. comedy? Yeah, like comic or whatever, but like even like the scenes in here are like actually really good and mm-hmm. like well, it shows. I think it just goes along to show the level of respect that he carries. Like he's even even mm. when he's up there, like everybody's just sitting completely still, like enraptured by his every movement. Yes. You know, even when he's singing karaoke, like yeah, he's just like a god to them. And I For read sure. somewhere, probably on the IMDb page, maybe on the Wikipedia page. I don't know. I read <laughs> about the movie quite a bit after I saw it the first time, and uh, yeah. I read that Nicholas Winning Refn, his direction to the actor, he would just walk up behind him and whisper that he say, "You are God." <laughs> just whisper to him that he is God. So like nice to give him that, uh, that kind of power, I guess. So, yeah, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. What do you think about the score? Cliff Martinez. Oh, it's score. fantastic. Yeah, isn't it like, amazing? And that, that, that middle piece when they're fighting. Yeah. It's just, it's unbelievably good. Yeah. And like the, uh, like the, 
just the overall atmosphere that the uh, soundtrack really lends. I mean, like a lot, a lot of the movie is you know takes place at night in shadows and in like very red light. Yeah, neon colored lights everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it just it just fits it so well. It's uh, yeah, definitely one of Martinez's best as as far as I can see. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I watched Quantum of Solace. Mm. Uh, I rewatched Quantum of Solace. Uh, talked about last week how I left Australia to see this movie in yeah. the theater and uh, best decision of my life and I just reaffirmed it it is fantastic <laughs> and I will say uh, not to anger all the, the Bond heads out there but I've only seen let's see one two three four five six seven, seven maybe uh, James Bond films uh-huh. this is my favorite <laughs> yeah I mean I need to go back and rewatch it because I've watched it once mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, oh, this is this is pretty good. It's a little di- little different. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely, yeah. It was very different from um, Casino Royale. Very different from Skyfall. Um, and I th- I think I've seen all of the Bond movies except for maybe like really? uh, I think I'll I'll have to I'll have to check on that. But uh, like yeah, a lot of them are very, very much throwaway kind of sure. kind of movies, and like I haven't seen all of like there's uh the Casino Royale that uh, Peter Sellers mm-hmm, did, mm-hmm. and there's one uh, that was even I think it was made in the fifties. Yeah, um, I've heard about that one too. Yeah, so I ha- haven't seen either of those, but uh, yeah, all the Connery ones, Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, the two Timothy Dalton ones, all of George the, Lazenby. Yeah, the one, the one, the one Lazenby. Which is like it's an interesting like I don't think it's as bad as uh, people kind of make it out to be because like you know um, you, you know it's it's kind of just going along like I think people's like big reaction was uh, oh if it doesn't have Sean Connery because like he did like whether you like him or whether you like the movies or not he's definitely an icon as far as like British spy movies sure. go especially the James Bonds can't argue with that yeah so i think i think it was you know people just didn't want to see something new and different but uh but yeah i wouldn't say the lazenby one is bad i wouldn't say the dalton ones are you know especially bad you know they're different um i really like timothy dalton and i always thought i'd probably like if i had to watch other bond films which i have really very little interest in i'd probably mm-hmm. watch his yeah because uh yeah living daylights and license to kill are pretty good um I really like the theme that Aha did for Living Daylights. And But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I need to watch Quantum of Solace again. You definitely got to cuz it is just a blast. Like and it's the action is so good and so visceral like it's a lot better than like I don't know why they don't like Mark Forster is a good director and he's a good action director and he didn't mm. that's his only film that he really got to stretch those muscles in because you know he did Finding Neverland and uh ah. what is it Stay and uh Monster's Ball right so like oh, yeah. he's done a lot of like prestige dramas and uh yeah he this is but he's really good at action i mean his the action set pieces were really interesting the car chases were really fun and uh very like uh extremely kinetic and like really visceral and the violence in it is really extreme compared to other uh james bond films especially like 
Spectre and Skyfall, like in yeah, this, in the, like he like he's just killing people with like no regard for human life at all. <laughs> yeah, like um, early in the film, he goes to meet this guy, and he's just supposed to like meet him and like ask him questions, but the guy ends up attacking him, so he like throws him through a window, and he guy the guy cuts his throat on the glass, Ouch. so he takes a knife and stabs him in the leg to like bleed him out quick and kill him. <laughs> wow, this is really extreme, and that's yeah. what I like about it because. I'm not a fan of the whole uh, campiness. I don't like camp in anything, really. Right, yeah. And, like, it seems like that's what Bond is. Like, even when you watch, like, Pierce Brosnan's Bond films, they get mm. more and more ridiculous, you know? like the I first would definitely one, agree. Yeah, like, the first one's not that extreme, but, like, by the time you get to, like, the world is not enough, it's just, like, absolutely absurd. Yeah, and, um, like, die another day, like, don't even... right. Like, no. They're just like <laughs> cartoons, you know, at that point. Yeah. And that's what I don't like about... I thought when I saw Quantum of Solace, which was the first Daniel Craig Bond film I saw, I didn't see Casino Royale until afterwards, mm. uh, I was assuming, I'm like, oh, okay, this is so this is what they're doing with Bond now. Right. It's like a total realistic Bond, mm. like in this real world where there, this, there, is this, there is a villain still, but he's like, he's a CEO of this company who's trying to like buy up property and like you know right he's not trying to like take over the world and like kill people or you know he's just like he's just an evil ceo and yeah. it's like that makes sense that's like something that could actually happen mm. and they have a decent fight at the end and it's pretty brutal and Man. um it's just a really great film i can't say enough about it I, li- I like it a lot i like casino royale too but yeah after that when i watched skyfall i felt like skyfall re- like falls back on it's very self-referential. It's like yeah, they had Javier Bardem to play that classic villain with the island that he like he has a lair. Yeah, it's just the like island and it's like absurd. You know? Yeah, and like the thing about like a lot of the Bond movies is like you establish like James Bond and the villain like very early on, and then it's kind of a cat and mouse until right. the end of the movie. Um, yeah, I think Skyfall was it's for me it was like an obvious throwback to like we're gonna make it more quote unquote James Bond right. And I think that's a that's a direct <clears throat> reaction to Quantum of Solace, which yeah, nobody yeah. liked. You know, which, I think yeah. the fans kind of like really hated it. So they were like, "We this is not the Bond we want. We want the campy yeah. Bond who fights supervillains." So they did that, and then they got even more ridiculous with Spectre, which is yeah. one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I I, really, I, I had so many problems with Spectre, and like they had so many good ingredients to work with. And they just made a really lackluster movie. Yeah. Like, because, uh, I mean, uh, Dave Bautista would, you know, he was, he would have been great as the kind you know, hulking, you know, henchman. Yeah. Um, you know, the Leia Sedu and uh, Monica Bellucci would have been great as Bond girls. And you got Christoph Waltz I know. playing the head of Spectre. Totally under, everybody's underused. Yeah. It's, it's I, I think yeah the pro- the biggest problem was that the story just wasn't there mm-hmm. like you know they the action yeah. was boring too I mean even like yeah, I, I mean, can't even I can't even remember hardly anything about the action in the film that's how like lackluster it was yeah but anyway uh you know Quantum of Solace rules go For watch sure. it immediately <laughs> let's see next up what rewatched uh, Silence of the Lambs. Showing it here for the scary movies theme that I'm doing here at the library, and I gotta I gotta say, uh, Silence of the Lambs still holds up very well for me as a uh, like it's kind of a horror, but it's kind of a police procedural. It's kind of a psychological thriller. 
um yeah like all of all of the elements like Jonathan Demme like really put together a great movie and especially when he's got um you know the thing I think that separates Demi from a lot of a lot of other directors. He has a lot of you know the actors look directly into the camera, so they're really kind of invading your space. And the fact that he had Hannibal Lecter doing that and Hopkins doing a great job as being you know just the creepiest of creepy mm-hmm. and uh, like all of the like the weird like uh, like sexual questions that he asks, like he's really like doing his absolute best to get as far under Jodie Foster's skin as he possibly can. And, uh, like, the whole sequence in the uh, the courthouse with his escape, that was so great. This and scene's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so good. Um, I mean, the only, thing, the only thing that I would say would be maybe a negative about the movie, but this is my feeling about a lot of, like, serial killer stuff. You have, like, Hannibal Lecter, like... I don't know, just the way he acts in, like, all of the movies, and in Manhunter Manhunter as well, um, you know, you have a guy who's, like, obviously very, very creepy, but people act like he's, you know, a very, you know, uh, charismatic figure that, you know, they just want to be around a lot. Like, you, you see that especially in, like, the first... The first couple of scenes in Red Dragon, and uh, even uh, the show Hannibal, like you know, Mads Mikkelsen, you know, <laughs> he plays it so creepy, but everyone just acts like he's just this normal dude that, you know, I guess they kind of write it off that he's foreign, so he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be weird. Uh, but yeah, like that that's that's my that's my only problem and that's that's a very, you know, that's a nitpick. That's has nothing to do with the rest of the movie as a whole. I really I I, I like it a lot. I mean, it's a classic. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, but I've seen it so many times. Yeah, same here. Yeah. And it's interesting too like uh the way Demi like frames the fact that uh Clarice is very much one woman in a man's world. Um and like all the and there's uh there's an interesting scene uh where they're about to do the autopsy and like in the book uh Thomas Harris talks about um a very like southern kind of sexism where like dudes will typically be very dismissive of women in general but if their mothers have anything to say about it then they are really quick Mm-hmm. to, you know, do whatever they say. There's, you know, very deferential to their mothers. And I thought the uh watching it again, I think the movie really did that scene a very good service. Yeah, I I, I know what you're talking about and uh there there's uh, a great piece of direction when they're all putting the uh the paste on their on their under their noses mm-hmm. and she she takes it and she turns around so they don't see her do it right yeah it's like this uh like i guess she feels like it's embarrassing or something but yeah yeah i, I like all that I, I really i really dig it too yeah and it's a cool thing too like the fact that like i'm guessing this is the first dead body that clarice starling has actually oh, seen sure, yeah. in in person so like she's got to like steal herself mm-hmm. to to do it yeah it's just little little subtle things that you might not necessarily think of on the first watching or even the third or fourth watch um yeah 
It's such a great movie. Have you seen The Accused? No, I have been meaning to. Me I know, too. Like, I haven't seen like, it either. Yeah. Like her and uh, Kelly McGillis and... Actually, she won the Oscar for it. Yeah, yeah. So I just always wanted to, but I just never got around to it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, creepy uh, figures, creepy villains in movies, uh, mm-hmm. rewatch No Country for Old Men. Oh, yes. Uh, directed by the Coen brothers. And... Uh, had a had a had dinner with a couple of friends last weekend mm-hmm. and we were all talking and suddenly we got on to uh something i don't remember how we got onto this but somehow we started talking about movies and uh we asked i asked him a friend of mine or we just assumed that this friend of ours had seen no country for old men so we kind of like started like talking about it and quoting it and stuff uh. and uh he didn't have any idea what we were talking about uh. and we we're like you haven't seen this movie and this is a friend of mine who's just like all about like action and violence in movies and just like cool characters. I mean, this mm. is just right up his alley. So we're like, you got to watch this. So we yeah. uh, arranged it and uh, last week got together and watched it at uh, Jonathan's house. And it was a blast. I love it. It's a great, great film. It's a really, yeah. it's my, one of my favorite, my second favorite Coen Brothers movie, probably behind uh, Inside Lewin Davis. But mm. I really like how dark it is. I think the Coens do extremely dark films better than they do like broad comedy like they've tried to do like um mm. like they did burn after reading right after this yeah and i think and it's a like a huge misstep i mean like burn after reading is a dark comedy too like uh you know like lewin davis or like uh fargo even but it's yeah. like but it's just a little too silly you know what i mean yeah like i think the cohen's the cohen's are interesting in that like they can kind of jump really far into either territory because like you start off with blood simple Mm -hmm. which is you know very dark and very bloody and then the next one is uh raising arizona which is not overly goofy but it's it's very very much a comedy and you know you also have like miller's crossing and uh hudsucker proxy and yeah, Fargo. Those are and the all kinds of, kind of ones stuff. I like. Are like the ones where it's okay that they have comedy in them. Mm. Like Miller's Crossing is is funny at times, but it's also dark and it's got it's like a really engaging story and everything. And uh, the same thing with Fargo. Like Fargo's really really dark, but it's got these mm. comedic beats in it. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm cooperating here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just everything <laughs> William H Macy says pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but No Country for Old Men, I would say, is like it has it has like a couple of comedic beats. But they're very real, and they don't feel like they—they they don't feel jokey at all. Mm. It just feels like these little moments that are like tension breakers. And the rest yeah. of the film is just like nonstop, like brooding, just an angry movie, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, very, very violent, extremely violent, and uh, a great story, great characters. Yeah, love the acting, love everybody in it. Uh, except maybe I think the the weak the weak link acting wise would be uh, I don't know what her name is the woman who plays uh, the mother in law oh yeah her. and she's got like these <laughs> scenes where she's just complaining nonstop and it's yeah, supposed to be yeah. funny but it's like she's just a little bit too much for me yeah I can see that like yeah like uh, it's not every day you see a Mexican in a suit yeah exactly. you know, and yeah, all that her, yeah uh, she's she's the worst but the rest yeah, of the acting yeah. is fantastic I love everybody else in yeah it. Kelly McDonald is fantastic yeah, she's in this movie terrific yeah well um, I mean everybody is fantastic yeah. uh, Stephen Root as the uh, <laughs> like the kind of like 
I don't know, like evil he- head CEO of, of evil the, CEO yeah. of like head of like some like hitman corporation, I guess. Yeah, something. Uh, uh, well, it's definitely got drugs involved because he said yeah, he yeah. talks about it. This is our product. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's yeah, it's a it's a good movie. It's very like ominous, and there's not. I like that though. I like that there's not that much. Uh, explained really about what's going on it's like you yeah, get the yeah. fact that he's got this money it doesn't belong to him mm-hmm. he's on the run there's a hitman after him yeah there's another hitman after that hitman yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's terrific love it yeah um you seen any other um what, what's your opinion on some other cormac mccarthy movies like the road I, uh, or have you seen all the pretty horses no i've not seen that but i i read i've read a couple of his books and mm-hmm. I like his writing a lot. Yeah. And uh, I think we've talked about blood Meridian before. I like blood. Definitely. Meridian a lot. Yeah. And, um, but and like something like all the pretty horses is not something that I've ever been terribly interested in, mm. uh, reading that is. And I mean, obviously the movie is like a, I don't know, it's PG 13. Didn't Robert Redford direct that or something. I guess I know it has like uh Harry Connick Jr. And I think Penelope Cruz. Yeah. It just sounds like a nightmare, but I, <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen it? I haven't. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a copy of the book and, um, like, I don't know, this could be Cormac McCarthy's like one stab at like, uh, Western romance or something yeah. like that. Um, you've read it. No, I haven't read it, but, um, I'm 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 guessing sure, like, just, sure. just, just from yeah, just that, from like the poster for the movie right, that's, like, that has no interest to me right yeah. so that, that, but then again it is Cormac McCarthy so like right. it may look like that and they might have tried to market it like that but it could be like one of those one of those movies where like you know you're you're going in thinking that it's going to be one thing and then like it takes a complete left turn I will say so, that No Country for Old Men is like easily in my amount in my mind easily the most successful adaptation of his work like i could see that yeah. i don't think the road i only saw it once i didn't like it very much yeah. uh, i had a lot of problems with the score and the kids acting in it yeah uh, but i did buy it on blue i want to watch it again i just haven't got around to it i don't john hillcote the director of that film uh he did the proposition which is a great great film and i've mm. seen many times and it's terrific but after that it just feels like he's been on like a downward trajectory he directed uh triple nine most re- uh, recently have you uh, heard of this i've heard of it, but i it's haven't a, seen t- it. just a terrible like throwaway crime movie uh, it's yeah. awful um and uh other ones uh i guess he wrote us he wrote the script to the counselor yeah which i hated <laughs> <laughs> but i like the script i read the script before i saw the film and i i enjoyed the script but i uh, yeah. i think ridley scott is a very overrated as a director and i don't think he really understands what he's doing anymore and it seems like he peaked in 1982 so <laughs> yeah i think i'd agree to that because like um tr- trying to think like everything after i guess legend mm. like uh Let's see, White Squall, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I haven't. I have. I've only seen clips of GI Jane. I, I like GI Jane. I mean, I'm not to say he peaked. I, I do think he peaked with Blade Runner, but I don't think mm. he did. He's never done another good movie. Like I liked Alien Covenant. Yeah. But I, yeah. But I liked. I like GI Jane. I mean, it's it's kind of fun and stupid. And I, yeah. I like. Uh, uh, Black Hawk Down is okay if you've got like you know two and a half hours to kill. It's yeah, it's, American Gangster isn't bad, I but I, I, it didn't like too. blow me away yeah. either. I remember liking it for the most part. Yeah, Body of Lies. I hated Who Body cares? of Lies. Yeah, that uh, was... Gladiator. I should probably watch it again because I've only seen it once. But I've I've 
again, like I get the feeling that I'm going to watch it and be like, eh, whatever. Gladiator's a movie I saw so many times when I was a kid, and mm. it was the first DVD my dad ever bought. When he, he bought a DVD player in that movie, and he brought ah, it home. Right. And it was like on all the time, so yeah. I'm just so burned out on it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's see, what else? What else has really Scott done? Uh, I really like The Duelist, his first movie. Black Rain. <laughs> I didn't see it, but... I, oh, yeah. Like, I, had to, I had to remind Andy myself Garcia. that I even seen that. I, like, I mean, Andy Garcia and Michael Keaton in Japan. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Maybe better, Michael with, Douglas. Maybe, maybe better with Michael Keaton. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true, because like, that's a guy... Uh, Michael Keaton is a guy who, like, I don't... You know, I think he got more attention with, uh, with Birdman... But like even before that, I think he's a guy who like doesn't necessarily get the credit that he deserves for. I agree for being like his, like uh, him as uh, Ray Nicolette and uh, Jackie Brown. He's fantastic in that movie. And he's he's he plays Ray Nicolette in Out of Sight also. Oh yeah, I need yeah. to see I need to see that one. <laughs> he's he's great. Yeah, yeah. he's really uh, good in both of those. I I like yeah I like Michael Keaton and everything that yeah, I've ever yeah. seen him in. But um. Getting getting way off topic here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know any other Cormac McCarthy adaptations I can think of. Honestly, what yeah, else has been ad- adapted? I don't know. Oh, oh, I saw James Franco directed an adaptation of Child of God, which is all right. All right, it's not amazing, but it's real, real low budget, and um, mm. it was okay. You know, it doesn't do anything compared to the book. I mean, the book is much better. But yeah, like that. That was kind of what I felt about uh, the movie, like the movie version of The Road. It's like it's basically a straight adaptation. So like, why wouldn't I just reread the book? Right. You know, like, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think there was anything particularly outstanding about, about the movie. Mm -hmm. I think there's like a little less emphasis on the cannibalism in, um, in the movie. Oh, really? I think I haven't read the book, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's basically what you see in the movie is basically what you see in the book. Only but, the book the book is a little more. I'd say it's a more compelling sort of read. So that's no country for old men. That's no country for <laughs> old men. So last week I went to Austin to see King Crimson. Oh yeah, which, how was that? It was a fan. It was fantastic. Like I've been wanting to see this band for like fourteen years. Like I started, I started listening to them in like 2003, and been really into their music ever since. And so this is the, this is finally when I've been able to to see them, and they were, they were fantastic. Like um, they've got three drummers, a uh, a sax saxophone, flute player, keyboard player, two guitars, bass, and yeah, it was it was fantastic. Like. At first, at, when you first think like, "Oh, three drummers," that sounds like a real mess. But like, no, like these guys really knew how to work work together. Sure. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was great. The funny thing was though, like, like it also reminded me of like why I don't go see a lot of concerts anymore. Because I was I was in my seat and this guy came up and sat in the seat in front of me and like of course he's like taller than I am so literally like I'm looking at the back of his head so I have to kind of tilt myself over to the right so I can actually see the band that's and, shit yeah and like like a bunch of people were like getting getting up and uh they were coming and going through most of the concert and I'm like guys like 
you know, this, these seats were not cheap. Right. You know, so it's like, sit down and enjoy the concert. Like, I sincerely doubt that these guys will be coming through here any time soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, but even then, like, the, the music more than made up for it. But while I was in Austin, um, I was like, okay, you know, Austin has a lot of stuff to do. So I was like, let me see what kind of movie theaters are out here. So I found out the the day that I drove in, they were showing Clue, which... Where you, were they showing it? They were showing it at uh, Galaxy Theater. Okay. Yeah. it was. It's a, it was a smaller franchise. So, and they were doing like a classic movies. They were sure. like the next, like this week, they're going to be, sh- well, I guess today. Uh, yeah, because they show them every Wednesday. They're going to be showing Ghostbusters. And I think at some point they're going to show The Shining and like, you know, some other, some other classic movies. But yeah, like actually getting to see Clue on the big screen, it was fantastic. And like the acting in this movie is so brilliant. Like just the this just the subtlety to the comedy, and the and the running the running jokes, uh, <laughs> Tim Curry, uh, and monkeys' brains, though popular in Cantonese cuisine, are not often to be found in Washington D.C. <laughs> that was fantastic. I haven't seen it. Oh, so. like, well, totally check. lost on me here, Kevin. Uh. Uh, it was directed by Jonathan Lynn, who directed uh, My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and some other movies, too. Oh, I might need to see it then, because uh, yeah, My yeah. Cousin Vinny is a comedic masterpiece. Yeah, and uh, screenplay by Jonathan Lynn and John Landis. Oh, okay. And, um, That's cool. Yeah. Christopher I like the, Lloyd's in it, right? Christopher Lloyd, uh, Tim Curry, um, Martin Mull. Oh, what's the guy's name? Michael McKeon. He's in it uh, as Mr. Green and uh, Madeline Kahn. She's amazing in this movie. Like, Who's that? Uh, I don't know her. Li- uh, Lily von Stupp in Blazing Saddles. Uh, Elizabeth in Young Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Uh, she's in Nixon for like two seconds. Love Nixon. I, I I've seen all those films, but only once. Okay. Um, this movie Clue. Yeah. Let's look it up here. Let's just press on the lookup. That's right. Oh, this is pre pre my cousin Vinny. That's right, Mister Lynn. Yes. So you got Eileen Brennan, mm-hmm. like you, Leslie Ann Warren, mm-hmm. Bill Henderson. That's pretty much it. I already said everybody else. Number right, cop number one and cop number two. So. Yeah. Well, uh, if you're if you're a punk rock fan out there, uh, Lee Ving, the lead singer of the punk band Fear. He's in the movie, and he's a very, very smarmy character, and he does it. He does it very well. Jonathan Lynn also did uh, Sergeant Bilko mm-hmm. and Trial and Error, and the whole nine yards. Yeah, which I was surprised at when I when I looked up his IMDb. Like, he also directed the pilot episode of Ferris Bueller, the TV show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I really. Uh, I clue is his first movie. I uh, oh, he directed the Distinguished Gentleman with Eddie Murphy. My dad really likes that movie, oh. where uh, Eddie Murphy becomes a congressman or something. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I liked a lot of these movies when I was a kid, especially uh, Sergeant Bilko. I used to watch that all the time. Yeah, and uh, he co-wrote uh, Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister, which are very very good British 
sitcoms from the 80s. Yeah, see, I didn't even realize he was British. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. Well, I uh, watched uh, trying to make a dent in the huge stack of Blu-rays sitting atop my PlayStation 4. Uh, I watched While We're Young, directed by Noah Baumbach, starring mm-hmm. Ben Stiller, Naomi Watts, and Amanda Seyfried and Adam Driver. And uh, it's the last of the Baumbach films that I needed to see. I've seen them all now. Mm. No, that's not true. That's not true. He he did he did a couple of them before Squid and the Whale that I haven't seen. Oh, okay. Now that I think about it, but short films or features? No features. Uh, like he did Kicking and Screaming. That's on Criterion. Oh, I've right, seen that, right. Though I did not like that. Mm. But he, I think he did two more uh, prior to that. And, or not prior to King Extremely, but prior to Squid and the Whale. I think Squid oh, and the right. Whale was like kind of where he reinvented himself, so to speak. Mm. And um, While We're Young is definitely his most, I would say it's his most accessible movie. Okay. Very like plot-driven, mm. straightforward comedy, uh, really on-the-nose like kind of uh, themes. You mm-hmm. know, these themes of uh, these this old couple who meets this younger couple and the they kind of feed off each other and uh ben stiller is one of the old couple and he um he sees adam driver as like this really like this guy who's getting everything accomplished and like taken Mm. care of and like he's self-sufficient and he's a record collector and he's in all this cool stuff and he's got no worries and like Mm. he he sees like i guess it kind of reminds him of like his wasted youth and like how like it makes him think about where he's at now in his life right so uh and then there turns out to be this kind of um ulterior motive to adam driver that you learn about late in the film and um kind of drives a wedge between them but Mm. it's it's very like i'd say i say it's his most successful film it's also like i think that's not a good thing it's uh i liked it i thought it was funny but like compared to his other stuff i think it's a real like minor work you know Uh. like compared to i like francis ha a lot i loved Mm. uh the Meyerowitz stories that just came out and oh yeah um squid and the whale is very good but uh, this is yeah this is like minor minor buck bomb buck <laughs> so uh yeah i don't i i'm not saying i don't recommend it i mean definitely you know see everything why not you know yeah i mean at least once go watch resident evil apocalypse you know while you're at it <laughs> gotta give everything a chance no but uh it's it's good though i mean it's funny and adam driver's good all the acting is is pretty decent mm-hmm. i really didn't think it was gonna be centered so much like it really becomes like it's all about ben stiller's character right and he is like the star of the movie and i really didn't think it was gonna be like that i thought it was gonna be more of a like ensemble kind of thing yeah yeah but it's like 100 percent about ben stiller pretty much mm. but uh yeah I, uh, yeah it's good cool the end okay <laughs> So I also, let's see, the day that I got back from Austin, I just marathoned the entire Before trilogy by Richard mm-hmm, Linklater. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I remember um, a, couple of, a couple of years ago, I had tried to watch uh, Before Sunrise, uh, the first one, and for some reason I just wasn't into it. You just like, ripped I just, that shit out of the DVD player and threw it in the garbage, huh? Well, I think like I got to the, I got to the point where they were in the arcade, and I'm like, why am I watching this? And and I was just like, okay, let me let me watch something else. Were you did now now not to cut your story short, but mm-hmm. did you did you watch these on blue on the Criterion release? Unfortunately, no. Okay. I watched the first two on DVD, sure, and, and I watched third and third on Blu-ray. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so yeah, at first when I first started to watch uh watch these watch well Sunrise. Um I don't know I don't I don't know exactly why I you know it just didn't hit me at the time. But now I have a I have a better appreciation for for what's going on in the movie. And um like I, st- I still didn't the first two I still didn't think were like you know amazing masterpieces, but I could un- I could appreciate them better, and I think with a lot of movies where you've got two people or you know three people like hanging out just kind of talking like it can easily get over into kind of pretentious territory, but I feel like all of the movies never never quite got there. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were still you know. It was, you know, 90s independent cinema. So, yeah, you're going to have a, some philosophizing and all that kind of stuff. But it didn't it didn't feel like um, just put upon, you know, just put in the movie just to be there. I think that the, both of the characters, Celeste and Je- Je- no. Jesse. Is it Jesse? Mm-hmm. Is Celeste? Celine. Uh, Celine, yeah. Celine. Celine, Celine and I'm Jesse. I'm thinking of yeah. the, that uh, that. <laughs> at an Andy Samberg movie with uh, Rashida <laughs> Jones, I think. Oh, but uh, no, I, I think that uh, both of their characters—they're intellectual people, so they're yeah. the, the references don't—they're not uh, inappropriate. You know, they're—it's like you could see how these people would say things like they're saying. Yeah, and they don't like you know just drop a bunch of like musicians or authors right. in like uh, you know rapid rapid succession, which would be embarrassing. If yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I uh, I I love the ending of the second one. You know, they're, they're uh, I like them too. Yeah, um, I, I remember not loving the second one yeah. as a whole, but being like, "That's a good ending." And then then the third one came along, being really excited. Mm. Yeah, I definitely thought the third one was was the best because um, like it's it starts off you know it's kind of kind of the same thing as the first two it's kind of them talking and then there's the the scene where they're with the family at the table and kind of kind of this you know more talking and <laughs> <laughs> and then then you get just the two of them alone and they're walking through the ruins and kind of having the similar discussions like they had had in the first two but then once you get them into their hotel room, kind of towards the end, I felt like the pacing of the drama of their their married fight, I thought that was so well done. Like, every time you think it's kind of going in one direction, it goes into another. It's got the peaks and valleys, and then then into the ending... The way it the way it goes into it, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I love the entire. That, I agree. Like the last whatever it is, half hour of the movie is. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's so it's so well done, and like it's a cool thing too because you can see like Richard Linklater kind of starting out with Sunrise, then nine years later you've got uh, Sunset, and you can see how he's kind of how he's progressed as a filmmaker with like you know the uh, the camera movements and that kind of thing, and then like watching before midnight you see like him like really as like a solid director of being able to do camera setting and overall drama and story it's uh it's great awesome i yeah. need to rewatch them before i i i, I would uh, lean towards agreeing with you that the third one is the best but mm-hmm. i'd want to rewatch them i bought this set yeah. on criterion so i'd want to 
re-revisit all three before I made a, a true decision. For um, sure. Okay, so uh, I really hate this week because I just watched nothing <laughs> but good stuff. Like, I'll, I don't have anything to complain about. I have one ah. movie that I'm going to complain about, but uh, this, is, this isn't it. Uh, I rewatched Akira mm. uh, in anticipation of watching Princess Mononoke for the first time. Just get get my feet wet with a little anime. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> Akira rules. It does, <laughs> man. It's uh, the, it's just, I don't have, I don't, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it because I don't think I could add anything to, I'm sure the, you know, uh, litany of, you know, praise that it's gotten since mm. it came out. But it's absolutely phenomenal. And I can't, think of like hardly anything that i disliked about it Mm. uh and i will just say that the thing that blew me away the most was the animation itself oh yes animation is on like next level like it's some it's it might be the best animation i've ever seen in anything and uh i mean i was expecting to go in and be like this is gonna be like uh you know this is like a big budget uh, anime film. It, I, mm-hmm. it was, I read that it was the biggest budget ever of all time for animated movies at the time, mm. and uh, I expected it to be on like Disney level, you know? What I mean, yeah, like yeah. A good, like a really good like a a list Disney movie, and it's better than that. It's better than all of the like it's animated yes. better than all. It seems like they, it almost seems as if they added in like they have more than twenty four frames <laughs> a second, you know? Like they painted pictures in between or something because it's just like so vivid and smooth yes and um i it i'd have to look it up it might be uh more than 24 but like I, it's a, like a it's a mixture of like hand-drawn and cell and there's a little bit of uh cg in there too but it's used but it's used sparingly which you know like you do with right like you should do with cg in my opinion sure you know use it use it when you really really need it but yeah, um, did you watch the um, uh, did you watch the dub or did you watch it in Japanese? No, I don't watch anime uh, with subtitles okay. ever because uh, I don't know. I just don't see a point to it. It's like it's a cartoon, you know. So I, <laughs> yeah, so I watched it with the dub. I watched it at first. I started it with and watched about five minutes of it with the dub from two thousand one, I guess, which is when they re released it. Mm. And it was really bizarre and like I didn't. I was like I was like this doesn't sound right. Like this doesn't sound like what i remember hearing when i saw this last which was probably conservatively 15 years ago right and i was like so i'm gonna change it to the the original 1988 english dub click mm. it on everything clicked it was like this yeah is it. this is what kaneda and uh, tetsuo should sound like mm-hmm. it was like the voices were spot on perfect for what their characters are yeah, it was just absolutely great. It was such a fun experience just watching it. I I really I loved every second of it, and uh, the violence in it mm. just fucking rules. Like the, the <laughs> at one point the girl, uh, the female character whose name I don't recall. Uh, I think uh, I think I know which uh, the Ka- one who Kauri. Kane- yeah, something like that. The one who Kaneda's into. Who Kaneda is into? Oh, not oh, the oh, other girl. Um, not the Tets- not to Tetsuo's girlfriend, but. Cause she gets she she yeah, gets yeah. her ass handed to yeah, her. Yeah, no, the other uh, girl, the girl who's like part of the resistance. Yeah, movement, yeah, I, I'm I'm blanking. Doesn't on her matter. Name. But yeah. she's that when they're sneaking into the facility, or not when they're. I'm sorry, when she's on the run from the cops, he's trying to oh, help yeah. her get away in the sewers, and she shoots that guy in the face, and it like blows his face off. 
Yeah. And he, and he like kind of slides down the sewer into the sewage water. It's just, it's unreal. It's so, it's so amazing. I, yeah. I really, I really like it a lot. And, uh, I was worried that I was going to, cause I rewatched ghost in the shell earlier this year or mm. maybe late last year. And I like ghost in the shell a lot, but I gave it a four. I don't, I don't like love it. Uh, I don't think it's like amazing, but the animation is very good, mm. but like the story's not, not as interesting to me. And this one's just got a great, like just great characters affected by a great story you got like the whole i mean just like really simple like tetsuo is this kind of like runt of the group you know and everybody kind of like picks on him and stuff and then Mm -hmm. he's the one who ends up getting this crazy power that he can't control and yeah uses it as like you know it's kind of like like a nerd with power like you can imagine like what they would do you know like the episode of saved by the bell where screech becomes hall monitor oh yeah he starts like sending everybody the detention because he's he suddenly he's got power over them yeah it's it's uh really really terrific film for sure yeah yeah, and like I, I love that movie. It's, uh, it's easily my favorite anime of all time, well, as far as anime movies go. Oh, absolutely, safe but, to uh, say. Yeah, because yeah, and what's depressing is that like I looked up uh, the director. Oh yeah, yeah. Who's done a lot of other stuff, but like, I'm not like, and he also, I guess he also, uh, I could be wrong about this, but he he wrote the manga. Akira? Yeah, he wrote in. I'm I'm pretty sure he wrote and drew the manga. Yeah, so it's his manga, and then he did yeah. the movie. But it's like his other movies are like kitty stuff. Like they're not like they're like Steam Boy or whatever. And then uh, yeah, like um, they're not cool like Akira is. You know, they're not like yeah. awesome like violent sci-fi noir film. You know, what I mean. And another thing, speaking of noir, like this movie is like really obviously influenced by Blade Runner. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. Like all of the like they have like holograms and like the billboards mm-hmm. are like holograms and stuff. And like the yeah, city yeah. of Tokyo looks very much like. Uh, whatever city they're in in blade runner uh, it's los angeles, los angeles yeah, yeah. los angeles yeah so uh yeah i mean uh really really cool though to see that i would love to just spend more time in that world you know yeah yeah maybe like a sequel with Kaneda as an older man <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? a la blade runner 2049 you know <laughs> yeah and uh <laughs> but yeah i mean uh we'll get into this more when we actually talk about princess mononoke but that's been one of the things that i've noticed about like a lot of um Miyazaki's movies like after well i guess i'm not sure of the timeline of his movies but it seems like a lot of them are a little more geared toward chi- towards children sure and mononoke it, it, it's it's i'd say it's more in like the young adult sure kind of kind of area yeah i don't I'll, I'll, I have, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk that, about Because I have a lot yeah. of things to say about Mononoke. But I, I imagine. Dante, that's a little tease for uh, for next time. That's right. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, go ahead. Uh, let's see. And uh, continuing on with the Richard Linklater, and having just gone to Austin, I rewatched Slacker, right. which is, uh, again, a uh, very, very interesting movie. And. Um, you know, di- again, like didn't didn't really blow me away, but um, very very interesting to see like all all of these different kinds of characters and different kinds of scenarios. And um, <laughs> I was talking I was talking to Jordan about this the other day. Like he had uh, like here here in the library, we get a lot of interesting characters and a lot of people who maybe don't necessarily need to be out and about by themselves need some, some kind of, some kind of supervision. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so this, um, 
there there was this uh, lady who Jordan was dealing with who was saying that uh, like somebody had like hacked her phone and like uh, had put like voodoo men into her pictures and like having just watched slacker and seen that scene where the guy goes into the coffee shop to get change and there's that woman who like just turns to turns to him out of nowhere you shouldn't shouldn't sexually traumatize women i know this because i'm a medical doctor and he's just sitting there going what is going on you know sometimes like like that moment got a little too real man yeah, you know, I got I got to say cuz like Yeah, that guy uh, that whole his whole section of the film when he walks by <laughs> those two women and they're like right before he walks by they're like the next person who walks by will be dead within a fortnight. Yeah. And he walks by and it's like, "Oh my god." And like everything that happens to him is just horrible. Yeah. So <laughs> like you could you can kind of see like what like could be down the pike for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. I I I love uh, Slacker. You gave this a 3, right? Yeah, yeah. Like how many how many stars do you set aside, or is this even something you consider? Like for me, Slacker is. I'd say it's uh, it's not technically proficient or anything because I mean you know mm. it's his first film, but like, yeah. or it's his first. I mean you know it's his second film, but it's his first real film. And, yeah, uh, yeah. His it, being being his first film, like to me, a lot of this, a lot of my appreciation for the film comes from that. Like just the fact that he's able to put uh, together yeah. what he put together, and it looks great, and it still works thirty years down the road. You know, yeah. Whereas. You know, you have some people who make stuff, uh, you know, as their first picture and it's, you know, absolute trash or it doesn't work as well or, Mm. you know, and I mean, uh, well, thinking thinking about it, thinking about it now, I'm probably going to have to pull a Jordan and up my rating. Like, (laughs) like, yeah, because like, I don't know, there are certain movies like uh, like um, like we talked about earlier, uh, Blood Meridian by McCarthy, Mm -hmm. like great movie. Well, you <laughs> said <laughs> there are certain movies like Blood Meridian by. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, the movie in my head, man. Right, right. It's right. in my head. It's a great film in my head. Yes, too. Uh, but um, directed, so like directed by Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> would, would that be Would that be your choice? If I had to choose, okay, Living or Dead. Obviously, uh-huh. I think Kubrick would be the one to do it. But, okay, I mean, okay. Uh, living, I, I Paul Thomas Anderson would be the dream, the dream director. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Blood Meridian was one of those books where like when I got finished with it, I was like, what did I just read? You know, I like I didn't quite know how to wrap my head around it. But then as but then when I read the uh, like read up on it on, you know, its Wikipedia page and started, you know, started thinking about the story a little more clearly, because like I think like Blood Meridian is a great example of a of a story that kind of like like um just gets its meat hooks into you and then just drags you along and you know like you're kind of cognizant of sort of what's happening but like you have to stop and think about it afterwards to like really to really be able to appreciate it and like yeah I'm thinking thinking about slacker like now like when like I had seen it like years ago and you know that was definitely at a time where I was like, oh, whatever, you know, it's just mm. a bunch of people talking. Right. But like now, like and again, like talking about it and you know thinking, you know, getting my thoughts more clear on it. Yeah, now gives me a better appreciation. So I would definitely have to up that to like a four, maybe four point two five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
uh, you know, sometimes it takes a, a you know a little time to think about it. For sure. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, like you know, we we, te- we tease Jordan about it uh, <laughs> about McCabe and Mrs. Miller a lot, but like, I mean, you know, it's it's a legitimate process. Like you start to think like, oh yeah. Well, I the problem with with that situation, and not not that it's a problem. I mean, it's you know, rate however you want. Yeah, be yeah. influenced by whatever you want. I don't care. But like, when we watch McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and I I was he came out of it saying I didn't really like it very much, and I'm saying, well, you know, it's a five out of five. It's just, like it's it's my favorite mm, Robert Altman yeah. film. It's great. Uh, and and he's and he didn't understand why, and I explained to him why, and it was as if like oh suddenly it's like oh well. Oh, I like all those things too. So I like this movie, and it just seemed weird to me. It was like, so now, well, what about your problems with it, though? You know, like what about the uh, issues you had with it? And it's like suddenly the issues don't exist anymore because you've thought <laughs> of something good about it. You know, which is like, you know, I don't know. It's just like, obviously, you know, do whatever you want, but you know, yeah, th- yeah, just think it through. You know, it's okay to not like stuff. It's totally fine, and uh, I certainly don't want to have any kind of uh, influence on the way people see things or uh you know like you watch something it's either for you or there isn't for you you know yeah because i mean like I mean, I i'm gonna rake you over the coals if you you know if you came in here and said slacker was a piece of shit or something i'd come in i'd come in fighting, yeah i mean you know, <laughs> fighting words but like <laughs> it's you know it's an, at the end of the day it's 100 percent subjective so yeah yeah and uh and yeah like sometimes it does take you know you got to get a little distance from it to be able to appreciate it better yeah so the uh, night after we watched, uh, I watched while we're young with my wife and then I watched Akira by myself. And then the mm-hmm. next day, uh, just continuing to fight that stack of Blu-rays on my, uh, on my TV stand or whatever it is. Uh, how many you got on there? Oh, uh, <laughs> all told I'd say conservatively 35 <laughs> and they're all ones that I've bought uh and just haven't watched and like uh. i i need to watch them but i always end up like you know well i want to see this other movie that i have yeah, upstairs yeah. already you know and like i rewatched quantum of solace like i didn't need to re i should have watched one of these movies instead yeah but anyways i bought i had bought um a most danger a most violent year oh yeah yeah the, uh, jc shandor uh film from a couple of years ago mm. bought it on blu-ray uh really cheap either at fye or black friday sale or something really really like four dollars though so right couldn't, couldn't pass it up yeah and um haven't ever seen a, any of his other films uh he did uh that robert redford ship movie where he sinks on the yacht uh oh uh whatever the hell it's called <laughs> oh man what is that movie called that's gonna drive me nuts now oh yeah uh, uh, he's trying try it oh try man to find it um uh, he wrote Margin Call. He directed Margin Call, and he did All Is Lost. All is, yeah. yeah. I, I remembered it. I remembered the title being very bleak. Yeah, so. I, I, I've been wanting to see All Is Lost for some time, and I just haven't got around to it. Right. But um, so I watched The Most Violent Year. Liked it a lot. Uh, yeah. Hate to say it, I wish some of these movies were downer so I could you know bitch and moan about them. But this <laughs> is just a good movie. It's uh. You know, uh, stars Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain as uh-huh. uh and and also has a uh, what's his face Albert Brooks yeah yeah in it and uh it's they're he's they're married and then Albert Brooks is their lawyer mm-hmm. and he's he runs a uh, heating oil company 
where yeah. they sell heating oil. Have you seen this movie? Yeah, uh, okay. it's, it's been a while, but I, I remember really liking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's you know there's people trying to rip his trucks off, and he's trying to figure out who it is. And it reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of a James Gray film, like an early James Gray film, like um, I don't know if you've seen like Little Odessa or The Yards. Mm. The Yards, Mark Wahlberg, no. No. It's good. Okay. Uh, it's very. It's a lot like the yards, actually. I would say because it's it's got that same look and ah. like the cinematography is really similar. The direction ch- choices is ve- are very similar, mm-hmm. and then it's a very like kind of dry, simple story. Like this kind of like otherwise completely boring story, but it but mm. it's told with such like uh, I don't want to say passion. It's just told. It's just told really well and yeah, with such yeah. great acting and like great direction that you're engaged in it. Yeah, because you know it's really at the when you boil it down, it's like it's like about like the politics of like the unions and mm-hmm. you know uh, this guy trying to figure out who's ripping him off. But the, and there's like it's called the most violent year, but there's like hardly any violence in it. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, you know, and like the fact that like he's married to the daughter of a mob boss, right? You and think he's, that, and he's and he's trying to like he's trying know, to walk, not walk not the, involve walk the her. line. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and I like that too because she's like I'm when I get involved, you're not going to like it. Cause mm-hmm. she's obviously going to go to her people who are going to do something horrible, but yeah, yeah, he's trying to keep her out. He's trying to like walk a straight line. Yeah. And it's difficult, uh, just being the business that it is. I, I, yeah, I really dug it a lot. I actually, yeah. I hate Jessica, uh, Chastain, but I, Oh yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Cause I, I remembered you saying something about her. I can't like, stand her, but and I think she's just, I won't, I, I can't even say she's a good actress. Like she's just like, I, I can't stand. I don't like. I don't understand any of the decisions she makes. Mm. Like even the scenes in this where she's like trying to be like tough. It just it's just so like put on and phony, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I just don't like her at all. Uh. But but I look past it. It's almost like a nitpick for this movie because she's she's not a big like a huge part of it. It's yeah, maybe, yeah. it's Oscar Isaac's movie, mm. and I really liked Albert Brooks and uh, Albert Brooks is really like understated in it which i like a lot yeah compared I agree. to his character in drive which is very like over the top and yeah you know kind of silly on almost like how he like and they're in the pizza parlor and he just stabs that guy to death it's just like, yeah <laughs> like come on man like, yeah you're albert brooks this is ridiculous yeah but uh yeah I, I i dug it quite a bit so yeah i'll uh, be looking forward to triple frontier which is jc chandor's next movie ah starring Pedro Pascal. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, he was he was um, uh, Oberyn in uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Oh, it's got might have Mark Wahlberg in it. Has ah. Garrett Hedlund and Charlie Hunnam. So it could be all right. Who knows? Garrett Hedlund. I love Garrett Hedlund. Yeah, I do like him a lot. Yes, I wish he was in more stuff. Honestly, yeah, he's 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 someone who like he he. Like he always does like the bit parts, but yeah. he always like he tip he always outshines everyone else who's who's he's acting with. Did you see On the Road? Uh, no. Walter Salas, uh, adaptation of On the Road. Uh, he he's the star of it, and he's he's great in that. Sweet. Uh, it's him and uh, Kristen Stewart is in it. Oh right, yeah. But it's it's really terrific. Yeah, I don't let that put you off. If I don't know how you feel about Kristen Stewart, but I don't think she's nearly as bad as people try to make her I, out to I, be. I, I actually like her quite a bit. I don't understand. I the agree. Hate. Like <laughs> my was... wife hates her guts, and like I don't. Get, I've been trying like hell mm. to get her to watch uh, the Oliver Esaias movies that she's in, uh, Clouds of Sils Maria, and uh, oh, yeah. Personal Shopper. Yeah, I saw and, that was uh, like coming out on Criterion. Yeah, soon. It came out. I think it came out yesterday actually. But okay. Uh, 
she just she, she like kind of wants to see them but she's she just hates her guts i don't i don't know why i'm just like why she just keeps going back to oh she she can't she's always biting her lip and looking down like that's her whole thing and i'm just like i don't even know like wh- when does that happen like in twilight like i don't watch twilight i don't know about how how she acts in twilight yeah but like that I, was like 10 years ago like <laughs> well i think that's the thing that's the thing with uh kristen stewart and uh you know your boy robert pattinson, pattinson. Yeah, like definitely. people like they yeah okay they were in these movies but like People change. People right. do different things, and they've forgiven Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, like, I, I, I mean, suddenly, suddenly, nobody's talking about how he used to be Harry Potter. You know? Yeah. I mean, granted, like some some of the stuff Radcliffe has been in is kind of like kind of flown under the radar, right? Uh, like, because um, I don't think Swiss Army Man got oh, like Pattinson, a wide release. Pattinson um, too, though. I mean, Pattinson. Yeah, did. yeah. I mean, like, Good Time wasn't a huge movie or anything. Like, you know, right? A little indie picture, but uh, you know, it's just. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I'm with I'm with you there. I don't understand like why you can't. It's just that silly. I don't like that mentality of like, oh, well, they did one thing bad 20 years ago, so I hate them forever. Like, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, forgive and forget. Like, let them do something else and try to redeem themselves. You know. Yeah, I mean, and it you know if if it's one thing where like like you know objectively they are like um, you know kind of the same person saying the saying different lines. Like Humphrey Humphrey Bogart is a great example. Yeah. Like. Um, all of the movies that I've seen Humphrey Bogart in, he's pretty much Humphrey Bogart. He's just doing, you know, like his characters have like different jobs and he's like saying different lines, sure. but he pretty much, he pretty much has the same delivery style for like whatever. A lot of the actors are like, that. yeah. And, and especially, yeah. And, Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So. And especially, you know, for like that time, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, like, but you I know, don't think, I don't think. Pattinson or Stewart really fall into that. Me neither. Like, uh, like, um, especially Pattinson. I mean, Pattinson, obviously, like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like a chameleon at this point, but like, even Kristen Stewart, like, I don't think that she's doing, I mean, she's, I I feel like she's taking roles that are very challenging, especially to someone who's coming from where she's coming from, from the Twilight thing and from the teeny bopper kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. She seems like she's trying to distance herself, and he does too, and that, that's what I I have respect for that, like, where you say yeah, yeah. okay, I did all that, I'm not ashamed of it, but, like, I'm just gonna, I move past it now, like, that was when I was a kid. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. You know? And, I mean, especially too, like, you know, I'm sure that both of them got, like, a truckload of money. Yeah. I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Call Same me here. I'll, I'll do the next Twilight in a heartbeat. A couple yeah. million. <laughs> I'm in you know? for for real, like and and any and you know like people can say all they want, like how they would you know, oh I wouldn't do it for the money, I'd do it for oh yeah, for the love, for the love so of cinema, integrity. Yeah, give yourself. me a break. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but yeah, like uh, I mean, I really liked her in Adventureland. Loved her in Adventureland. Yeah, and um, American Ultra too. Haven't, she was haven't seen that. It's uh, it's. Not great, but it's it's pretty interesting. I kind of want to see it. I just yeah. haven't got around to it. But yeah, I, I yeah I, I dig her, you know. So yeah, I don't know like, how we got on this? Oh, because I said on the road. Oh yeah, on the we road. Like Garrett We 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 have gotten so far off track again. Are you got another Who movie knows? to talk about? Uh, let's see. I'm. I got one more. I'm starting to rewatch all of Wes Anderson's movies. So I've rewatched um, Bottle Rocket and Rushmore. Mm-hmm. And I, I still really, I still really like his movies. Like I can see like the, a lot of the criticism I've heard, you know, it's very like, you know, quirky for kind of quirky sake, which I can definitely see in there. 
But I still really, I still really like both of these movies. I gave both of them four stars. I like Rushmore a lot. I've only seen Bottle Rocket once, and it's been fifteen years probably since I've seen that. But I, I I've seen Rushmore a lot, and I like Rushmore. Yeah, I'm and, not um, a fan. Obviously, I, I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned that I don't like Wes Anderson very much, but yeah, I like Rushmore quite a bit. I think it's yeah, funny and, um, and it works really well. For sure, and I think it's his one of his less just ridiculous, like kind of like his his movies have gotten to the point where they're like stylized you know what i mean and this, i agree i think rushmore takes place in a reality you know and it's it's not like mm. there are parts of it obviously that are theatrical and they go along with the themes of the movie and stuff like yeah, that yeah. but it's not like like moonrise kingdom for instance or, or <laughs> yeah. a grand budapest hotel where the whole thing is just like this like fantastical you know uh, yeah kind of silly uh, situation or even that the, uh, the Isle of Lost the Dog Isle of movie, Dogs, Isle yeah. of Dogs movie that he's got coming out, which looks like that too. It looks kind of like you know, like yeah, he's gotten sure. way far away from any kind of semblance to reality. I agree, and uh, you know, not not that that's a bad thing, but um, I'm let's see. Next up is Royal Tenenbaums, and I think that that is probably going to be the movie where he kind of fully turns into you know Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I remember that, that one. Once. No, I've seen that twice. No, I've seen it one and a half times. Oh. <laughs> I watched it halfway through, and I hated it, and uh. I turned it off. And then I gave it another shot a couple of years later, and I actually really liked it. And I don't know what the hell happened, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, like, uh, when I went to Austin, when I was going there, like, I had a playlist of all of Wes Anderson's soundtracks. And uh, Royal Tenenbaums, it was definitely the most hipster of the bunch. Because there's a lot of like a uh, lot of tracks with like acoustic guitars and um, uh, string Elliot quartets, did a lot, or a lot of song, Elliot Smith songs are in it. Yeah, I think only uh, there's or one. Two, there's two, there's right? one for sure that I know of. Uh, uh, Needle in the I Hay. Thought, I thought I thought a bunch of his songs were in it. I don't know. I might be thinking. So. I know that they play one of his songs when the um, when, when, Luke Wilson, when Luke Wilson's uh, yeah. committing suicide. Yeah. Um, yeah, Needle in the Hay. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, neat, uh there's... I'm thinking of Goodwill Hunting. Oh, his okay. songs are in Goodwill Hunting. Okay, that's another movie that I need to watch again because I've seen it a bunch. But like now that I have a better appreciation for like what's going on in mm-hmm. movies, um, but yeah, um, yeah. So Royal Tenenbaums has a you know there's like two Nico songs on there, um, Elliot Smith and Nick Drake, all all names that I've. I've I've personally have come to associate with some of my more hipster friends. <laughs> really, I yeah. could see that. I could see that. I I got turned on to Nick Drake at uh, Compact Disc Store. If you remember that place, I really loved that place. Me too. That's and, where uh, I got like a bunch of Kraftwerk CDs when they were just being reissued. Sure, sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember that's like the first time I ever heard of Nick Drake and mm-hmm. started listening to Pink Moon a lot. And uh. But uh, I forgot to we forgot to mention uh, when you when you talked about killing them softly a few episodes ago, uh-huh. uh, Nico the Nico track in that and the Velvet Underground song in that. I think we did mention Velvet Underground. They play heroin in it. When oh they, when right, they, when right. they're shooting up heroin. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> a little on the nose uh, song reference. Oh, wait, didn't you say it was like sped up or something? Uh, I don't think. so. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm. But they I, I got that confused with um, uh, the the movie with uh, Eric Bana, where uh, like they're doing cocaine and like like the film is sped up, but the oh, 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 the uh, voices chop, are Chopper. Chopper, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they play the Nico song uh, from mm. her first album when uh, James Gandolfini first appears. He's coming down the escalator at the uh, airport. Okay, 
I forget what's it's the first track off Chelsea Girls. I forget what it's called, but uh, it's it's a great track. But anyways, yeah, so uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you say you had all the soundtracks on uh, on a mix, did you have just the songs from the movie, or did you have like the Mark Mothersbaugh stuff and all that? Both like the score. Okay, yeah. cool. And uh, like uh, there are a couple of songs that are in like uh, Rushmore that aren't actually on the soundtrack. And uh, with Bottle Rocket, there were a couple of songs that are in the movie but also aren't on the soundtrack. And uh, some of them, like, two of the songs that are on Bottle Rocket, I, I was like, nah, I, I can do without those. But I put on uh, 2000 Man by the Rolling Stones. And uh, I Am Waiting Again by the Stones on the, uh, That's in why the, they're in the Rushmore the playlist. Yeah, they can't, so. they can't afford to get them. But um, I like Making Time by Creation. The first oh, yeah, song it's the fantastic. Movie. Like, I think, like, again, I'll have to watch all of them again, but, uh, like, the, the way he uses music in Rushmore, I think, is really well done. Um, you know, like, he very much sets an atmosphere and, like, yeah, with uh, um, making time with the, uh, the montage and uh, the, the uh, uh, equipment. Uh, a quick one while he's away by the who and uh yeah it's just got good, stuff. Good, good song choices for sure for sure yeah um okay so the last thing i watched uh is a movie called found directed mm. by uh scott Shermer. you love this movie this is a i have a buddy i work with mm-hmm. uh who works in the next classroom over from me and he uh he's always talking about scott Shermer. he loves scott Shermer. Mm-hmm. It's a great director. He made Found. It's a great movie. You should watch Found. So I said, okay, bring me Found, and I will watch it. Mm-hmm. So he brought me three Blu-rays, actually. He brought me uh, Found on Blu-ray, signed mm-hmm. by Scott Shermer, because he bought all these from Scott Shermer's website, so he signed ah. them. And uh, he brought <laughs> he brought me Found, and he gave me a movie called... Uh, like something super babes from outer space or something it's some like <laughs> yeah. ridiculous like softcore porno uh, and then uh another movie called headless which are i guess from the scott Shermer family but right they're not directed by scott Shermer. they're directed by other people so oh, okay he gave me those because he said he had doubles of them so i you know i appreciate that thank mm-hmm. you winston and uh i i watched found mm-hmm. uh which is I don't want to say okay. I gave it a one, right? And right. You saw my, yeah. You saw my rating. Yeah. And I didn't like it, but that's not to say that it's like an absolute horrible piece of shit or anything. Right. It's. I can see why someone would like it. Uh huh. It's a very uh, kind of gruesome uh, exercise and like psychological horror almost. Mm. And uh, I say that's not even fair. It's just kind of like straight horror, but. Uh. Uh, it's about a little boy who discovers that his brother is a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And so he, he discovers this by finding a head in a bowling bag uh, <laughs> in his brother's closet. Ah. And uh turns out his brother was influenced by a movie from the 70s called Headless, which is not real, but mm. they subsequently made Headless. Okay, right. It's supposed to be the film. So... Uh, uh. And in the movie, they watch Headless. He and his buddy watch Headless, and they get freaked out. And uh, it's kind of about the whole thing's like kind of a, 
uh, I guess it's trying to be kind of like a commentary on bullying and stuff. And like, because mm. the, the little kids bullied a lot, and the kids call him like fag, and they talk about how small his dick is and stuff like mm-hmm. this. And it's just like your typical, he's like 12 years old or whatever. So, um, so it's up uh, that uh, at towards the end of the film, everything kind of comes to a head. His brother realizes that uh, he knows about him being a serial killer. Mm-hmm. So his brother says, Well, I'm going to do us a favor, I'm going to kill our parents for us. Because he finds them to be abusive, uh, I guess you know psychologically abusive. So mm. the kid wants not to not do it, and he <laughs> ends up. Uh, it, it gets pretty grotesque and extreme, and uh, uh. in a in a very kind of like you know over like not even over the top, like not in like a Tarantino kind of way where it becomes right. like a cartoon. Just in like a you, you went a little too far with this. <laughs> like okay. it's pretty gross. And um uh, there's there's some necrophilia involved and some uh, uh, incestuous rape involved and uh the whole thing is shot on DSLR so it looks like shit. Uh, like it's shot on like like a like a camera that you take pictures with, like one of those like Nikon or Canon cameras. Really? Yeah, it's horrible looking. And wow. uh the first like five minutes or so starts out and the kid walks into the his brother's room he's like when i was however what last summer or something he's like i found i found a head in my uh my brother's closet and he's like narrating and he's going in and he sees mm. the head and everything i'm like this is all right like, this isn't too bad this is not what i was expecting at all. i was expecting it to be like a slasher film or something right and then uh and i, and I look it didn't look too bad Mm. And then the next, like the next scene, it was just like, okay, suddenly they stopped caring about how this looks, and it looks awful. <laughs> it's just, they didn't do any post production on it; doesn't look like it at all. It just looks oh, bad, man. really, really fucking bad. And I couldn't, I couldn't get on board with it, so uh, uh, had to give it a one. You know, just mm. niche, niche, niche. But uh, if and honestly, maybe a half star courtesy bump. So probably more like a like because you know my friend let me borrow it, and yeah, really yeah, insult him, but probably more like a half out of five ouch it's pretty brutal i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend it unless you're like a gore hound and you just like love Uh, you know i love blood in movies and then it's you know it's got some of that so yeah yeah it's pretty just it's try i would say i wouldn't say it's disturbed like i wasn't disturbed by it at all Uh it's definitely trying to be disturbing okay okay like when they watch the movie headless the movie in a movie Mm -hmm. the killer in that movie cuts the heads off women and then fucks the head Right. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like, that's pretty ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Not, <laughs> I, I, I will say that it kind of relates to something else I watched. I've been started watching, which is um, Mindhunter. Oh, Mind the, the Netflix show? Yeah, the Netflix show, the right. David Fincher show on Netflix, uh, which I just started watching yesterday. I watched four episodes of with my wife and uh, mm-hmm. really, really enjoying it. It's about the, the birth of the... Uh, kind of serial killer terminology as we know it oh. and um these two guys from the fbi who start interviewing uh serial killers mm-hmm. to get more knowledge about so they can learn how to catch them and uh it's got a real like sons of lambs kind of thing going on right they, you yeah know, for that reason and uh they interview this the guy this killer ed kemper who's a real a real person mm. and um I mean, he's not in the show, but he's based on a real person right. named ed kemper who killed his mother and uh raped her head the same way ah, that this right. fellow does in Headless, apparently. So, mm. uh, yeah. So I guess that you know that's based on something real. But uh, I really, I really enjoy uh, Mindhunters. It's terrific, actually. I, I, cool. I don't, I'm not a big fan of House of Cards. I tried to watch mm. it, but um, 
I like I mean the first two episodes like I liked it. I didn't think it was like horrible or I was just like I don't know, it just didn't compel me to keep watching, so I stopped. I felt the same way about House of Cards. Like I watched the first episode and like I think the beginning of the second one and I'm like um okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel yeah, yeah. so I mean I, I watched the first two and I was like those are the ones directed by David Fincher, and then yeah, after that, yeah, I yeah. found it very difficult to go back. I was like, well, David Fincher didn't direct anymore. And I thought that was going to happen this time, because I watched those first two episodes of Mindhunters, which also directed by David Fincher, mm. and are terrific, and very Fincher-esque. Great. Uh, they look just like a like Zodiac, pretty much. Oh, good. And then uh, the third episode turns on, and I was just like, I'm so worried this is going to be just like a massive drop-off in quality. But it actually it keeps it uh, pretty pretty good, and it looks, looks similar, and uh, the direction isn't as adventurous maybe in the third and fourth episode but uh. it's still still good and the characters are really like fun and interesting to hang out with so cool whatever happened with that show you were watching uh jessica beale and bill pullman oh the center yeah uh what? finished the center uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago i guess i didn't mention that i finished it uh yeah i mean you know it resolves itself in kind of a i would say kind of an unsatisfying way uh. and there's a there's a very intriguing mystery that's built in the first three or four episodes, mm-hmm. and it's like a hundred percent resolved, and the the resolution isn't you know it's like uh, I mean it's all you risk that when you try to resolve something like that yeah you risk it well that's it you know it's like yeah so yeah. I would I would have almost preferred if it wasn't resolved you know they just yeah. kind of left it open <laughs> it would have been more interesting but mm. she ends up remembering what happened to her the night that she can't like she lost time you know she can't remember something right right she she ends up remembering and it's you know just not it's just not terribly interesting as all but Uh i mean it's fun to watch i like like i said i mean the acting was really good bill pullman was fantastic in it and uh i could watch a whole show about bill pullman as this detective because he's he's just got like a lot of weird personal issues like his Uh, marriage is falling apart and He's going to see this prostitute who he pays to step on his fingers, step on his fingernails and like give him like purple nails. Like, you mm. know, like when you oh, like, yeah, have yeah. blood burst underneath here. Yeah. <laughs> it's really <laughs> fucked up and uh, it's pretty good. It's the, that, that whole that whole part of the show I love. Nice. So, but uh, that's that's it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it for me. All right. Well, we're going to get to some feedback then. All right. Let me uh, open up my the the mail account here you can reach us uh, at uh, feedback at filmiacpodcast.com if you have questions or comments that you want to send in and today we have a email from rustin who's actually a friend of mine so Mm. he wrote in and said hey guys this is rustin just started listening since the last three episodes and it's been really good before my question, I wanted to share my own walkout memory in regards to the last episode's feedback. So last episode we talked about have we ever walked out of a, a right. movie uh, at the theater. When I was in high school, I went one day after school to see A Knight's Tale with my cousin and another friend. Basically, I was so turned off after the first 15 minutes or so with the Queen being played and the people in this medieval time reacting to modern classic rock music like it's natural during the jousting festival (laughs) jousting festival (laughs) i like that's good Uh, i was not into it at all and neither were my companions my cousin just walked home and me and my other friend walked into the next theater room and watched the mummy returns (laughs) which wasn't great (laughs) 
by any means, but it was more entertaining, and Rachel Vice was smoking hot. <laughs> I'm with you there, Russ. Oh, me too, Russ. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he says, anyways, here's on to my question. I really like action movies and Point Break. The episode I started with made me wonder, what would each of you consider to be your favorite action movie? Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. So, favorite action movie, Kevin? I'm not sure if I could pick just one. Oh, that's a lame answer. Well, <laughs> well. Although to be fair, I I haven't uh, I haven't given it a huge amount of thought. Like in the at the end of the day, I'd probably have to say Hot Fuzz. Mm. Um, but I mean, they're like 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 we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Uh, you know, sometimes this can turn into a real John McTiernan love fest because he is just that good. Uh, you Best know, action director ever. Yeah, d- Die Hard, Predator. I mean, he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Thirteenth Warrior. Thirteenth Warrior. Yeah. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> he's incredible. Thomas need- Crown Affair. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. <laughs> That's not an action movie, really. But uh, well, I, I, I remember, and I need to watch uh, Hunt for Red October again. I haven't ever seen that. I remember watching Thomas Crown Affair the videotape mm. a lot because. Uh, there's a sex scene and you get to see Rene Russo's tits in it. And I was really oh, yeah, excited about yeah. that when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Which now I can't really imagine being excited about that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, your, your choice of hot fuzz brings up an, an interesting point, which is, I mean, how do you define action An action? Good movie, question. You know? Yeah. Like I don't point break, I guess is an action movie, but I mean, what it separates c- that from like a police police procedural? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's different. Like, what makes it action, you know? Like, for me, like, John Wick is an action movie. Yeah. Because it's, and, like, um, nothing but action, you know? Yeah, pretty much. And, like, in, like, the whole premise of the story is to get you to the action. Right, exactly. And, uh, like, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Bad Boys, you know, it's a, you know, yeah, action, but it's also a buddy cop movie. Exactly. And et cetera, et cetera. It's, like, like, there are, there, like, just the, the fact that a movie has action in it, does that make it an action film? I don't think so. Because, I mean, like, right. No Country for Old Men has action scenes, but it's not an action movie. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and even then, like, you could get into, like, the nitty-gritty details of, like, like, Enter the Dragon. Like, is that a action movie or is it a martial arts movie? Well, see, I would say martial arts is a subgenre of action. Yeah, yeah. So I would say it's fair to say that's an action movie. Because, again, yeah. the whole, like, any martial arts film is about the spectacle of martial arts. For sure, yeah. So it's like you're, you're not watching it because you're interested in the story or the acting or anything like that. You're watching it to see people kick high. You that's know? right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, I almost think you have to separate martial arts out of it unless you're, like, yeah, a martial yeah. arts head or something. But, like, I, I mean, if, if it's me and I'm saying what's my favorite action film, Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be thinking about like I like a lot of martial arts films. I like you know uh, I think Time Cop is a really underrated movie. Mm-hmm. I like uh, a lot of Steven Seagal's films, although some of his films are less about less martial arts than just kind of like you know brute force. Uh, he shoots right, a lot of people, yeah. shit like that. But like um, <laughs> you know, like I don't know if I'd be thinking about like Jet Li movies and stuff like that. Um, yeah, because yeah. Even though I, I like Kiss of the Dragon a lot, I don't know if you ever seen Kiss of the Dragon. Uh, I haven't. It's a Jet Li film. Bridget Fonda and Chucky Carrier are in it, and it's like oh. he goes to Paris. It's written by Luc Besson, oh, and right, he, uh, right. he's like a cop from Hong Kong who goes to Paris to like help out on this case, and mm-hmm. he ends up getting framed for murder. And like the, all the French cops are chasing him, and he's like beat the shit out of him. It's really, it's really good. But yeah. uh, I wouldn't count that because it's like that's martial arts, it's like this whole separate. That's almost like this whole separate thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
So for me, if I'm, I mean, just brass tacks here, mm-hmm. I gotta go. I gotta go Predator. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if we're and honestly, even that feels a little weird calling it an action movie because it's almost like a horror film. Yeah, I mean, it's like a slasher movie almost, you know. Yeah, slasher and you know, sort of, sort of sci-fi. Yeah, because you've yeah. got it because it's an alien. Sure, but like, but even even like you know, I wouldn't necessarily call Predator a science fiction movie. Like, just as a broad, you know, it's yeah, not I mean, like say like two thousand one or say it's a Forbidden minor, Planet it's a minor or something like that. that, that yeah, yeah, it yeah. could be because I mean, you don't have to have you don't have to be. It doesn't have to be an alien chasing them. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it would be a similar film, you know, if it was like a group of like a group of gorillas killers like chasing them or whatever not not you know like g-u-e-r-r-i yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um it's like uh but i i guess because it has because it has schwarzenegger in it because it Mm -hmm. has that scene in the beginning where they uh shoot up that compound full of bolivians or what colombians i don't know yeah uh, i guess that's kind of makes it and that's supposed to be like an action movie i mean it's got a lot of action in it so yeah yeah. and it's mctiernan who again yeah god of uh action filmmaking yeah and um you know a lot of biceps in that movie, man. There are. Well, yeah, especially in the first five minutes or so. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and, like, you know, like, I guess that's one of one of the other, like, kind of maybe genre conventions um, where you've got, like, this team of, like, badasses or, you know, you know, it's either a team or it's, you know, just the this, the lone guy, like, like with a Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's always that kind of black and white, good guy versus bad guy situation. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, there's never any kind of, like, gray area in an action movie, it doesn't seem like. Yeah, not typically. And I'm thinking about, like, like today's action movies, hmm. which are, you know, mostly shit. I mean, it's like, you know, Fast and the Furious and uh, <laughs> yeah. The Expendables and things like that. And they seem like they're all just kind of, especially, you know, anything Stallone is involved in is kind of just a reference to the past films that he's been in. Pretty much, yeah. So I was watching... Um, Sometimes I'll go on YouTube, I'll get bored, and I'll go on YouTube and watch uh, kill count videos mm-hmm. from movies, especially from like action movies from the 80s. Oh, like, yeah, like, yeah. They'll just show every kill scene in the movie. Right. And they and they have actors where they'll be like, Steven Seagal, kill count. And it'll be like a two-hour movie of him, just like all the kills in every movie he's ever been in. Oh, wow. So <laughs> so I've watched I've watched a lot of these. And uh, the, yeah, other, yeah. the other day, I don't know how I got on it, but some, I just had this, this itch to watch the kill count video for Cobra. Oh, <laughs> and I've never, yeah, and yeah. I've never seen I've, I've never actually seen Cobra all the way through. Oh goodness! But I we, I watched the uh, I watched a couple of the kills in the kill count video, and I was like, I gotta watch this one scene because uh, I don't like I don't understand this one kill. It was out of context; it didn't make any sense to me. So I watched the the opening scene to the movie. Which I, have you seen Cobra? I have. So he goes into this grocery store, and the guy's holding hostages. Yeah, he's got his gun on him. Okay, this it's just so utterly ridiculous because he's like he's running through the grocery store. He sees the guy. The guy's standing wide out in the open with his like shotgun or whatever. Yeah, he's got a gun. He's looking at him, and then he just like takes a can and like throws it at him and then runs. Yeah, like, to distract him or something. But it's not like he's not <laughs> distracting him at all. He's just like he gets distracted for a second, but then he's just like cool again. And he's looking around, and then he does that like two or three times. Finally, he comes up around him, around the back. Mm-hmm. He comes out through that back door. They're in, like, the deli part of it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Points the gun at him, and the guy's like, drop your gun, man. And, and uh, you know, suddenly he's got a bomb strapped to his chest or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, Cobra, Sylvester Stallone, is like, okay, I'm dropping it. I'm dropping my gun, okay? And he drops his gun. 
And then, uh, or I think he puts his gun in his waistband or something like that. He, he, he's still got access to the gun because, like, a second later, he takes a knife and throws it at the guy. Yeah. And, like, hits him in the arm or the chest or something. And then he pulls out his gun and shoots him, like, three or four times. Like, why didn't you shoot him to begin with? Like, yeah. what has changed in the last 40 seconds where suddenly, like, a minute ago you couldn't shoot him, but now <laughs> it's okay to shoot It was just the most, like, ridiculously convoluted, like, action sequence. It was not interesting at all. Like, there was no tension whatsoever in it. Well, you know what? It actually gets better. There's, there's, a, there's a scene where Stallone's character, like, goes home, goes into his apartment, pulls a pizza box out of his refrigerator, takes a slice of pizza takes a pair of scissors cuts off part of the slice of pizza and then eats that I don't know I really thought you were about to say that he pulls out the the box out of the refrigerator and then somebody bursts in to kill him and he pulls a gun out of the box (laughs) like he just keeps a gun in the box of the pizza probably probably would have been a better movie well it's like we were talking about the other day with uh, Three Musketeers when uh, Charlie Sheen you know like he's got the he's got the huge bible in his hands he pulls it he Flips that, it open. There's a gun in there. But bam, and sense, then though. and then crosses with the right, right, smoke. It's brilliant, and, and that makes sense because he's trying. For sure, to yeah. about to escape or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you know, just I guess it, I guess that's a an example of better action. Absolutely, yeah. Better, probably just a better film altogether. For sure, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, I, I, I that's gonna be it for feedback. So I'm gonna save that other question for our next actual episode. So we'll have some feedback. Sounds good to me. And uh, I guess that's going to be our show. That's going to be it. So uh, continue to uh, write to us at feedback at Visit our website, filmyakpodcast.com. Visit our blog, which is linked on the website. Um, big changes coming up next week. Stay tuned for that. And uh, hope you guys have a good one. See you later. Have a good one. Have a good one. <laughs> Good. 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 Good.